you pull out your sermon notes, when I was in Russia, I had the opportunity to share three different seminars, the same message, and the same message was on main things. It was ironic that I had picked three passages, 1 Corinthians 15, Proverbs, no, Psalm 19, and then 1 Corinthians 13. And I don't know if you know on all three of those passages that each one of them has a line that talks about something that is of most importance, something of value. And ironically, I read three books while I was on the plane. And in one of the books that I read, the pastor said in this book that there are some truths that are more important than other truths. All truth is truth and all truth is important. But it was ironic for me because here it it was reinforcing exactly what I was doing. And what I mean by that is when we look at the fact that there are certain messages in scripture, they do carry more weight. And if you look at 1 Corinthians 15 verse 3, the apostle Paul says, for I deliver to you as of first importance... This is top priority. Understanding that we're going to be talking here about the gospel in a second, we need to grasp and and understand that wherever I went, I was reinforcing the gospel because it is foundational. It it, It is foundational. It is the number one thing I believe that we need to have down. We need to share. And... And so understanding that, yes, it might be very important for us to understand the genealogy of Jesus and every name in that genealogy is important. Understanding the gospel and understanding how it works needs to have a great priority. It's far more important that you share the truth of the gospel than the genealogy of Jesus. But understanding the genealogy of Jesus is important, okay? So I'm not denying that. This truth here is foundational to life and it was very ironic too for me that when the very first city that I went to a city that six weeks ago I really never even heard of before I was asked by Slavic Gospel Association um, worker Eric Mock to go with me to for me to go with him over into Russia went to the city called uh, Yakutsk that is in central Russia it's in Siberia, and the houses and the buildings were all built on stilts because they couldn't build a foundation into the ground because of the permafrost, and the ground was always shifting. They couldn't even put their heat pipes through that. The, 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 the homes, though, that were not built with good footers, and we're talking footers and posts that went 100 feet into the ground, 100 feet into the ground, were often collapsing I can tell you right now that that provided a perfect illustration that they grabbed hold on to because they could see the the truth of this. If you don't have the gospel as a foundation in your life, it it is very clear that your life would collapse. And the alcoholism, the the immorality was very evident. There were a lot of people that you didn't see the joy over there in Russia— But the people who had the gospel had the joy. And I want us to share, you know, we're not just trying to tell people, get away from sin. We're telling people, when you become a believer, you get to know God. And the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy. And I'm hoping that every one of you, you want to share this gospel. Because it is critical 
It is critical for your own joy and other people's joy, let alone we're talking about getting to heaven. Now, the context that I brought this up was that, you know, when you come to 1 Corinthians 15, I know we're studying 1 Corinthians and we're in chapter 7, working verse by verse, but we'll eventually get here to the entire context of this chapter. But 1 Corinthians 15, if you were to ask a theologian, what is it well known for? Most are not going to say it's well known for the gospel. What 1 Corinthians 15 is well known for is the resurrection. 1 Corinthians 15 stands out of all the chapters in the Bible giving us information about the resurrection. The resurrection... The Apostle Paul gives the most detail about it more than any other chapter in the Bible. We know the resurrection of Jesus Christ occurs at the end of every one of the Gospels. But the resurrection, with the fact that we get a new body and that it's guaranteed, is all laid out in 1 Corinthians 15 in far greater detail. And the idea is that because we have the resurrection, you want to look at verse 58? this long chapter. It's therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast and movable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your toil is not in vain in the Lord. Whatever you do for the Lord, because the resurrection is going to guarantee that you're going to be rewarded for it, is worth it. And, and what I shared with the people in Russia is the Apostle Paul recognized more than anything, which he recognized earlier even in this chapter, is that people die. People die, and, and, and when I was in Russia, one of the things that we're going to talk about is the amount of death that these people have seen, like we have seen it here. The only way you get to the resurrection, ironically, is through the gospel. I want to say ironically, tied to it. And so it's perfectly fit that the Apostle Paul in verses 1 to 4 brings up the gospel because only the gospel gets a person to the resurrection where you get to get a new body, you get to live forever, you get rewarded for how you live. And so the Apostle Paul gives the best summary of the gospel in all the scriptures. If you were to ask most theologians, where do you go for the best summary of the gospel? It's verses 1 to 4 of 1 Corinthians 15. Now, what I got to do was talk to people who believe just like we do, who think just like we do. That was what was so encouraging. It was the same gospel, the same need all over the world. It's this gospel. God gave me this incredible trip. And for those of you who are in Sunday school, this is going to be a couple slides that we repeat, but not everything. The, the highlights were is that I went to four cities in Asia where Slavic Gospel Association was working. We traveled through 15 time zones, four villages in remote areas, visited an orphanage. I preached for over nine hours, saw the importance of what the Slavic Gospel Association is doing and working with nationalists, how important it is for us to realize, you know, sometimes the, we're in a t- t- time, I think, when the people are there we just need to help them, and that's what we're doing with the Slavic Gospel Association. And the importance of the Emmanuel's Child Program and Orphans Reborn, because there was a lot of pain, and I'll talk about that with the children. And, but the like-mindedness of believers was overwhelming in a world that now, even in Russia, was overwhelmed with people on their cell phones and living like us. So we flew into Moscow, spent some time with church leaders there, then flew to Yakutsk, which is here, four uh, degrees south of the Arctic Circle. 
it was very, very cold. Went to a remote village up here where a man um, pastors in a church that's the cold, average coldest temperature in the entire world for a village. I mean, there's places up here that are colder, but we're talking where you might have like, I, I forget what the number was, if it was like 10,000 people. It's, there's nowhere that it's colder with 10,000 people that is in this remote village. That's what made it so unique. And I don't know if it was 10,000. It might have been 3,000 people. But that was north of Yakutsk. And then we went south of Yakutsk and met with others that were suffering hardship. But we know wherever we went, it wasn't people with dour faces. It was people who were just so committed to the gospel because they knew the resurrection was coming. That's the reason they could leave sometimes their homes and their areas where it was nicer and easier to serve in these places because they knew that their, the resurrection was coming. And so then we went down to Habarisk and boy, you know, 1.3 million people or something like that. And I had no idea that this city even existed. And yet you have believers that are running a church service very similar, almost identical to us. And when I heard these college students were dealing with a friend of theirs that was dealing with depression or dealing with sin, and the kid said, well, the best thing that I could do was just read Romans 6.23. I thought, oh my goodness, how wonderful that is. And then the pastor at this area says to the people, it's, now remember, tomorrow's Monday. Invite your neighbors into your house and feed them and take care of them so that you can share the gospel with them. And the idea wasn't just to feed them, but to share the gospel. And then we went to uh, Kazakhstan and went to this place where you just fell in love with the people. And as I said in Sunday school, every place I went to, the love increased for us, and it was just overwhelming. And then finally, down here, we went to Turkey on a layover in Istanbul, and just, we'll talk about that here, because... What I wanted you to see is, you know, when the Apostle Paul says this is of primary importance, it's a primary of importance is because it is the only thing by which people are saved. Look at verse 2, when he says, by which you are saved. We, one of the things I emphasized to the people in Russia, I said, you know, in America, there's articles written all the time that pastors won't talk about hell. The word saved here means to be delivered out of a bad place, out of a bad situation, we need to recognize and always keep before us that people need to be delivered out of hell. Hell is known, in, if you take and bring a bunch of passages together, it's a place of darkness, isolation, pain, eternal punishment. I don't understand why that God you know, just doesn't make people disintegrate and that's it. But the Bible is clear in passages in Revelation, from passages in the gospel, like in Matthew, I think it's chapter 22, that people suffer and, and, and so we don't want people to suffer. We don't want any of you to suffer. We want people saved. And here's the thing. Save people, whether you're in America or whether you are in Russia, they are born again. And, and from the book of 1 John, there's three evidences. They know truth, they obey God, and they love other people. And they don't turn things around where they manipulate in love. Ask yourself right now, are you born again? Because Jesus said, unless a man is born again, he doesn't go to heaven. He is not saved from hell. The apostle Paul says, if, you know, by which you are saved, he's brought up 
in verse 1, the gospel. Look at verse 1. Now I make known to you, brethren, the gospel. The word gospel brings about good news. And if you're unaware, the word gospel comes from a Greek word, euangelion, that means that which was proclaimed by a king of something that was heralded to bring something that was good news. Like a king would send out a messenger, a series of messengers, because they didn't have internet, they didn't have TV, and they would yell, euangelion, euangelion, that's the actual Greek word, and they would say, it's in essence, good news, good news, all your debts are being... Um, dropped by the king or slaves are being let go by the king next saturday and people would like rejoice or the king would be yelling good food well this word was so associated with good news of a king but once the message of what jesus christ has come to do and mean it is now so associated when you say gospel most people don't think of a an, an earthly king they think of the gospel of jesus christ and I'm hoping that for you who are believers, your heart just swells up because you realize that you are so passionate and you understand that this gospel means we don't lose in life. As whatever we sacrifice, whatever we give up, it is all worth it because it is only temporary. And I shared with the people over there and they, they laughed because I, I'm, I'm telling them as I got older, there's the re reality that my body is breaking down. And, I, and they would think, now you can understand, I'm almost 60. <laughs> Come on, if I say I'm almost 60, I'm, I'll be 57 in a month and a half. I am almost 60, and you're married to a very old man. <laughs> and, and as much as we joke about it, the reality of it is, is I, I can't run like I used to. I can't, I can't work out like I used to. Parts of my body just hurt, and as much as I, I know that I do look young, and a lot of people came up and said, oh, you look like you're in your 40s, but the reality of it is, is I know that my body is breaking down, and I look out, and I look into this congregation, and there's a lot of people that are not here when we first started here as a pastor in 1996, because people die, and yet I am confident that every one of those who have died in our church who are believers, we will see again. And everything that they gave and everything that they gave is worth it because the resurrection tells us it's worth it. And it's so crazy for us to be consumed with anything else. There, this line in verse three, you, do you believe it? Is it not just like another truth? Or is it something that you recognize is of top priority? It is of first importance. Now, the reason I tell you, I got a list of people that we went through, we, we met. This is a man named Sergei in Moscow. And he is, he, he is just so committed to doing whatever he can do to get the gospel out. And you got to understand, when you decide that you're going to be associated with the church, it puts you on the hit list of the KGB. It put, you know, like no joke. It, it puts you in a, a place where you have to struggle for your income. And so that's why Slavic Gospel Association, helping him is such a benefit. And this is the one of the men I went with. He's a very wealthy businessman, and he went there to learn how he could more effectively give. All right? His name is Norm. And here is Pastor Igor. He lives in Yakuts with his wife and two children. Now, how many of you would stay in an area where it's 40 below in winter? How many of you, you know, would stay in this area where, you know, it's so hard to get out for like eight months out of the year, but you do it because you're passionate and you're concerned about 
recognizing there are 300,000 people in this city that I, I've been there, you know, I've, I've been there for like 48 hours and I've talked about it a lot over the past week. I can, I can hardly remember how to spell it, let alone want to stay there, all right? And he is, what? He's got a smile there. <laughs> this man is a youth pastor and he's given his life that he's not going to try and get a job. He just wants to live in the church. They have a church building that has a Bible school. Every one of these areas had Bible schools because it's so difficult to train the, the people outside if somehow they could, outside of the church. So if they can get them into a Bible school, the state allows it. And so he is, he is committed to being like the maintenance guy, but also doing youth ministry. He had a heart of great joy. This was an interpreter for us, and this is Norm again. We were in a woolly mammoth museum, and I didn't have a slide here for this. this what I'm doing here is just showing you people who have sacrificed and are sacrificing to get the gospel out. But just on a side note, we went to this museum. This is national, internationally known, and the, the head scientist there told us, it is very clear to me that the earth is only 6,000 years old. Okay, um, this is a man in, named Vasily. He's been in this village called Namsti, if I can pronounce it. All you have to know is that it is by the Arctic Circle. It is the coldest average village in the entire world. What keeps people there? He's got a church of like 25 people. We sat and had dinner with those 25 people. They put out an incredible spread for us. Because they just wanted to show us love. They stay there because they want to reach the people that are around them. That's why they're there. That's why this man is staying in this village. Here, this is um, Valeri and his wife, Valenta. Valenta is an incredibly intelligent woman. I couldn't help but think of uh, young people here that are incredibly smart who are doing so well in school. But she was filled with despair and they had sent... Russia had allowed her to go off to be a scientist, and she was studying in Yugoslavia. And somehow someone gave her a Bible, and she read it, and she got saved. Her professor saw that she had a Bible, asked her a question. She said that she believed, and they kicked her out of school. Would never let her go anywhere in Russia to study again. She could have just denied it, but instead she married this man who made the decision, which every woman wants to hear, is let's pick six of the hardest places in the world and put them on pieces of paper, put them in a hat, and then we'll put one that's blank so there are seven pieces of paper, and let's see where God wants us to go. Not, not, not some warm tropical climate, not somewhere that's really nice. He literally tried, knew where there were seven places in, in Russia that were very difficult that nobody else was going to. They put him in a hat and, and the village, he pulled it out and came up to the village that they ended up in. She said, oh my goodness, we can't be going there. Put, the, put it back in. She, they pulled it back out. It was the exact same one and they felt it was God's will. And so here, she was the woman from, those of you who remember in Sunday school, whoever gave the mercy chocolate, remember I collected stuff, pistachios, candy, chocolate, I gave her that from us, and she broke down almost crying, okay? So this is a man 
who his name's Benjamin, um, and this is his assistant. Uh, I, somebody that almost like you know Juan Gill, who's like so energetic and when he serve, he leads so many of the youth. This guy is like a big teddy bear, and all he does is love his people. He's the one that said that our preaching is just everything that they want to hear. So thankful that they could hear it. Um, he's gone through so much. He, you know, he finally has a home built. I took pictures. I showed it in Sunday school. They have a home. They've got nothing on the walls. They've got nothing on the floor. But all they, and they have some beds and couches, and that's all they have. But they're thankful, and they're overjoyed. But yet, there's difficulty because he struggles with the reality he struggles with the reality that he has a disabled daughter and like, why did God do this? I've sacrificed so much. Here I am in Habaris. That's where he was. And, and, yet, and yet, he still serves. And then, so this was the students um, before the service. God granted, God has it where in their service, these guys get up and they give testimony of how they've out, reached out to their neighbors. And I think it was this man that talked about sharing Romans 6.23 with one of his friends. These are people I absolutely broke down crying at lunch. They, they, they Abel and Alyssa, they are in this incredibly remote village in, in the, a home where half of it is their church. For years, she lived without a sink and, and just the struggles they have. They have children, I think two children, and the, the spread they put out with us was so sacrificial, but that's what they want to do because they want to be there. They want to reach people. All through their church, they had verses and children's drawings that just reminded us. They absolutely think just like us, but these were people, again, that, that said, we want to be here, and we want to reach these people. Here is a man who was in special forces. He fought in a war. He had over 600 jumps. Um, this is the guy I was, I was telling um, Tomas about. He was a boxer. He was a street fighter. He told me about how many street fights he had. He gets saved, and he now runs this Bible institute. And he runs, uh, he is the pastor of a church, and he's so committed to just getting the word out. And then through all of this, you know, Eric Mock was leading us and taking us around and, you know, let's never forget what Eric did. For those of you who don't know, he is the Slavic Gospel Association, um, one of their main reps. Eric was a lead scientist on the space shuttle, making several hundred thousand dollars a year. But when he got saved, he recognized, listen, the gospel has to be a first priority. And I'm going to dedicate my life to getting it out. And he's uniquely qualified because he's very organized. Wherever we went, people remembered him and people knew him and people were aware of, uh, of him. And here's a guy that pastors a church and he's the one who said, Mike, when you come back, I think you should preach on Sunday. And, and so I was thinking, no, I was going to need a day off, <laughs> you know, and something like that just to recover. And he, no, no, this is what I do. This is why I scheduled it. We'll go 10 days, we'll miss one Sunday, and then you come back. Now listen, it... it I appreciate it. It was hard. You know, I got in, for those of you who don't know, I got in on Friday at 3 o'clock. It took us four hours to get home from O'Hare. I think I slept for a couple hours. I woke up the next day. My, my schedule's been so crazy because we're at 15-hour time zones, you know, off. I, I, I slept for a little bit in the mid-afternoon um, yesterday, and then around 3 o'clock, I, I, or 4 o'clock, we had dinner, and I just hit a wall, and I slept until like 10, 11 o'clock. I woke up, and I realized I didn't have any of these slides together, and so I worked from 10 o'clock until 5 in the morning today, you know? But it was the model, because Eric was always working. This is what we got to do, because the gospel is so important. 
And so, very thankful. My whole point in showing you this is all of these people realize that the resurrection is critical. And then let, the only way to get the people to the resurrection is to get them the gospel. Because the people need to be saved. And, and he, what I want to do now is just remind you. You know, life is tragic because of sin. People's lives are destroyed. And we went into this orphanage. And there were 150 orphans. Only 30 of them came down because these little kids were not jaded yet. These kids, they say, literally look out the window every day hoping for someone to come and take them away. I I broke down crying three times, and I had to leave the room. These kids were just so wonderful, so innocent, so beautiful. But Russia has a law, and it goes into Kazakhstan, Kazakhstan, is that if... One of the parents, who can be like an alcoholic, has abandoned them, but isn't dead. These kids can't be adopted. So there's so much alcoholism, so much like wickedness. These parents just drop these kids off and just leave them there. But these kids can't be adopted. So can you imagine such an incredible prison that these kids are in? I mean, how wicked can that be? So they long to be adopted. They long for someone to come and take them away. But at the same time, they're not, no one's allowed to. And so we went through these kids, and this is a little girl named Anna, and this is a little boy named Victor, and they long for somebody to write to them and to talk to them and to reach out to them because you understand, there's 150, and they don't get individual care. Nobody comes into their room at night and prays with them and talks to them and loves them day after day after day. All they are is night after night, they go to bed by themselves. This woman you need to pray for. This woman is driving a 22-year-old car. This woman travels 30, 40 miles a week just to go and teach those kids the Bible and to hug them and to bring them stuff. She has nothing, but she realizes the importance of these children. You think we're going to get to heaven? The Bible talks about the resurrection and the reward that people get. Some people complain because they have a want us to do and they have to do it again. This woman is giving absolutely everything. And I'm going to work to make sure that she gets a 12-year-old car. It's just, this is just amazing when you meet people like this. This little girl, I'm not showing her full face. You have to understand what makes the orphanage so much more wicked is that we talk here, and I've had our messages on slavery. It is so real there. These slave traders recognize that when these orphans are 18, they are just released into society. These kids have nothing. They have no direction. And so that's why Slavic Gospel Association has tried this orphans reborn, and they're trying to reach them. But this was one girl that nobody reached. Eric had been talking to her years ago, but when she got out, she became part of the sex trade. But somehow, some way, she remembered and the gospel and she got saved. This is a son that she had born in that system. And she wanted to come. It was ironic. And I think God set things up that she was there that morning. And all she wanted to do was hug Eric and let him know how thankful she was for the life that she had been able to get out of. But like I said, reminders of death everywhere. This was a mammoth. I don't know if I... No, I didn't. Um, 
this was a mammoth, mammoth um, statue to all the dead that were in Kazakhstan from World War II. And again, I can't remember if I said this already, but 20 million people, uh, I think 8 million soldiers, another 12 million civilians were killed in Russia during World War II. And just reminders, there were statue after statue after statue. Plus, remember, they've got this long history. We don't, in America, we often sometimes think we have a 250-year history. They go back so far, you know, thousands of years, and there are pictures of, of death everywhere. And, and then where I also went was into Istanbul, and this is what is called the Blue Mosque. It's one of the largest mosques in the world. Um, we went into it. This is a giant, can you imagine, I don't know, how in the world they get a pillar? That's little me, <laughs> okay? That's inside there, and it's just overwhelming the size, the dedication, and I didn't put on here the, the slides. I took pictures. When you go into this mosque, they have these giant pictures on how to be converted to Islam. And then finally, I talk about no religion. Here, this was in Moscow. This is a giant mall to basically worldliness. The most wealthy stores, the Burberries, the Gucci's, and everything was in here. Nobody was shopping in the stores. They just walked through the mall, and it's almost like an art gallery. But Russia puts that on as a, as to like as a statement that our, our society has arrived. I thought in Russia that you would see all kinds of 1950s dress and cars. Far from it. The people were very modern. I told Sunday school there were cell phones everywhere. Most people haven't reached this level. Russia does this basically just to show people this is what you could become and to show that they're successful. Well, in reality, so many people in Russia were dead spiritually because there's no churches there. There's not a church on every corner. And so, like, I, with the woolly mammoth, this man here, you know, scientist who didn't believe in God but believes the earth is 6,000 years old. But it doesn't lead him to God. He doesn't become a Christian. But the answer is the gospel. And here's Pastor Benjamin teaching. And this woman is having to give the gospel. She was making an appeal to why she should be allowed to join the church. And the only people who will join the church are people who can say they're genuine believers. And so with that mindset, I just want us to think, you know, if these people are so similar to us, then let's be people just like them in getting out the gospel. We're just going to quickly go through this. I just want to, if you have your sermon notes, what I shared with the people is I wanted to go over five topics of the gospel. And when I say there are topics of the gospel, I want you to understand each one of these are the like five points of the gospel. And if you grasp the essence of these, you won't know that each one of these topics go deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. So look at We'll just quickly go through. Verse 3, Paul says, For I delivered as to you of first importance what I also received, and that Christ died for our sins. And so I put on your sheets, man's sin. And, and what I wanted to emphasize with the people in Russia and what I emphasize with you is when we understand the depth of man's sin, that sin is breaking God's commandments, that two verses you should all know, right? Romans 3.23, everyone's a sinner. So when everybody is a sinner, guess what that tells you? Every stranger you meet is already met the criteria. There is nobody that you will ever meet that isn't a sinner. Therefore, everybody is eligible for you to give the gospel, let alone yourself, to realize that sin is a problem. But the second verse, Romans 6.23, the wage of sin is death. 
The penalty for sin is not good works. We were in so many Byzantine churches over there and the lighting of the candles and, and the ceremonial stuff. It's just absolutely ridiculous. People are trusting in good works. And I told the I go door to door and and how they wish they could go door to door. There's so many restrictions. Door to door wouldn't work over there, but it will allow work here. And so I told them when I go door to door, what happens when I go door to door? I ask people, you know, how do you get to heaven? Most people say, well, I'm a good person. Well, the reality of it is, is that's not the penalty. Why do good works not save If you think that you want to understand God, you need to grasp this. Why do good works not save? Because Romans 6.23 says they're not the penalty. The penalty for sin is death. It's the death of a human being. And people will go to hell because they owe this debt. And it's an immeasurable debt. Matthew 18. One sin is bad enough, let alone all the sins that we commit. It's a number that you cannot comprehend. So the second point of the gospel is Christ. Jesus Christ. He's called Christ, but we know this is just the topic, and Christ means anointed one. Jesus is the person who is the Christ, and so you can just build on verses. Every gospel tells us that, if you look on your sheets there, Jesus is a man. Jesus was a human being. Why did Jesus have to be a human being? Did Jesus exist, in essence, before he was born on earth? Absolutely. But he couldn't have died like in Joshua chapter 5. He couldn't have died at that point because he wasn't a human. He, you know, he had to be God who came to earth as a human. But he all, you have to believe that he's God. And so there's verses there on that sheet. I, and one you can add, John 8, 24. Jesus said, unless you believe that I am, you'll die in your sins. You have to understand the very nature of God is that he's eternal. Jesus was not a man who became God. And, and I, oh boy, what was I listening to recently? One of these cults where you're talking about how, how, you know, you could become a God too. And the reality of is the very nature, if you understand theologically about who God is, then you understand you can never become God. Because once, <laughs> none of us are eternal. But why is this so significant? Is because Jesus Christ alone can pay the penalty for our sins. He is the only one because it takes a perfect sacrifice and only God is perfect. You must be committed to understanding this. So many of the cults miss this. Every one of these points are significant. Every one of these points have numerous verses. I'm trying to just give you a summary. You should know two verses to prove that Jesus is God. Then you go to the third point. Christ's death paid the penalty. We call it a substitutionary atonement. If, if you were going to be put on an electric chair and die for a crime, and all of a sudden God comes in and says, let me take the crime, the penalty for the crime. That's what Jesus did, but on a far greater scale. Why does God the Father allow this? It's something he does. He allows for someone to take the penalty of another person. You know, it might be similar maybe on a cash ways. Like if my son did something and, and he got a fine and I, the judge says, Josh, you owe $300, you're going to go to jail. And Josh says, I don't have $300. But then I come and I say, I pay the fine. We can understand that on a certain level. The judge would allow me to pay the fine. But this is something far worse. This is for every sin, everything that when you think, say, do, or don't do, sins of omission. Every one of us have done sin, and sin will send you to hell. That place where there's fire and burning and weeping and gnashing of teeth. 
the place you need saved from. But Jesus Christ took the penalty, all the wrath of God. And you look at those verses. He took our sins on him. Isaiah 53, one of the books when I was reading on the, on the plane was an in-depth study of, of that, and I highly recommend it. It's John MacArthur's book uh, um, on, on Isaiah 53. I think it's the gospel, the gospel According to God. A great exposition on Isaiah 53. He, he took our sins for, on him, and the second point there is that nothing needs to be added. He paid it all. So people who light candles and do good works and think that they're, they're earning their way, it's an offense to God. We need to grasp that. And we know that there are countless people in America who believe in a false gospel. God tells us if you believe the wrong thing, you go to hell. You need to passionately understand this is worth putting your neck out for. If you care for people, if you love people, people who believe the wrong thing, go to hell. And so if you look at verse 4, not only did Christ die for our sins, the verse 3 told us, but verse 4 says he was buried and he was raised on the third day. The resurrection is often left off when people present the gospel. They, they tell people, uh, you know, people say, you know, you want to hear the gospel? Jesus died for your sins. But it doesn't end there. And so these verses that I have underneath that there talk about how death and devil couldn't hold Jesus. The resurrection shows that we're justified with God, according to Romans 4.25. But the resurrection guarantees, the resurrection of Jesus guarantees that we'll be resurrected. This is why people in Yakuts can have joy. This is why people in Habaris can have joy and face incredibly horrible life, day-to-day situations. Because they know it's not the end. Listen, we know this world is not the end. We win because of the resurrection of Jesus. It connects us. We should have overwhelming joy. And I want to have more joy. I want people to say, my goodness, what you have, I want. You know, yes, every one of you, I know you. You all have difficulties in your life. There's not a person in our church who doesn't have a difficult situation. But we all have won if we believed in Jesus Christ. If you haven't believed in Jesus Christ, absolutely be miserable. Because there's no hope. Once you die, it's not rest in peace. The incredible lie that our world goes by, it is no rest. There is no peace for people who die without Jesus. And then finally, I kind of pull things out of order here only because I I want to get to this point last. How do you get to this? Well, back up in verse 2 when he said, unless you believed in vain. He was concerned that they, they, they had given lip service to it. But belief is a commitment, it's a trust. It, it is one thing that results in a transformation. And a person that truly believes trust alone. And that's why the last point is you benefit by Christ's help by faith alone. It, it, if, if you understand this, you understand the verses that, like in the second point there, Ephesians 2, 8, 9, we're saved by grace through faith, it's not of ourselves, it's the gift of God. When I go door to door, I always ask people, do you think you're a Christian or how do you think you're going to get to heaven and someone will come back oh I'm a Christian and I'll say well what are you trusting in and they'll say well I'm a good person I've been baptized immediately it brings to mind that they're trusting in the wrong thing and I use this illustration and I, I emphasize this over and over and over is that I became a believer probably on August 26, 1985 if I would have died on that very day that I became a believer I would have done very little good works for God if I would have stood before God, even the moment I said I believed, God would have, if I would have died and God said, why should I let you into heaven, Mike? I would say because Jesus died for my sins. 
Now it's 19, 2018, and I've been a pastor for a long time. I've done a lot of good works, and I've shared this with you before, and I truly believe this in my heart. I've done things I believe I'll be rewarded for, just like you should have confidence that you've done things that you'll be rewarded for. You should. You, you, the Bible teaches about reward. But if I were to die today, and I stood before God, and he said, Mike, why should I let you into heaven? I will say, because Jesus died and paid it all. It's by faith alone I trust in him. It's all to him I owe. And, and there's that settled re- resolve in me. And I've shared with you, when I first became a believer, I had night tears. There were times when I would feel like there was an oppression upon me and I felt like there was a sense where the voices inside me were like saying, Mike, you're not good enough. You're not good enough to get to heaven. And the thing that I beat it back with is, you're absolutely right, I am not good enough. But Jesus is. And, and this is what you passionately need to understand. And, and so when you mess up, when you do something bad, the reality of it is, is even as believers, we're going to do that. But it's my trust over and over and over and over and over and over and over is Jesus. And so my heart's desire is that we have this as the foundation of our life. Because no matter what we're going to face, no matter what we're going to hit in life, and there's going to be hardship, not one of you is going to find tomorrow easier. Each day gets harder and harder. And I've said this when I was a young man, and I am finding it as, as I get older. Life gets harder. It never gets easier. It, it is a lie from the pit that it gets easier. I am filled with pain most day after day after day with things that hit me. But in a sense, at the same time, I have the incredible joy that when this is all said and done, I win. Because I know, I know that this gospel is true. And when I come down to verse 20 in this chapter, it's a reminder. Because Jesus has been resurrected, I am guaranteed about my resurrection. So this is why I want to be committed to the day I die of sharing this. Because nothing else matters. One million years from today, let alone 100 years from today... It doesn't matter if the basketball team I like wins today or if my investments go up or down or how much money I make in 2018 or if I have perfect health. What will matter is if I believe this gospel. It matters if my children believe this gospel, my family, my friends, my neighbors, and some, every one of you. Because if you don't believe, there is no hope. But if you have this, you have everything. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter your wealth, your status, your health, because you have everything. This is why all those people went to Yakuts or, uh, or Habaris or Almaty, Almaty because they'll sacrifice everything to get the people the gospel. And so today, my challenge to you is what are you going to do? First and foremost, are you going to believe it? Second, are you going to get it out? Please don't live life foolishly. It is a shame on each one of us in this country that has incredible freedom that you are not aggressive with the gospel. We must be aggressive. We must believe it beyond the shadow of doubt. We must be worthy, willing to take the shun of neighbors, shun of family members, shun of people, because I would rather have them angry, screaming, hating me, which I have many people do, do to the gates of hell, but at least they know the gospel. Let us go down believing that, because it is the only thing that matters. Because when you are dead, you are either going to be in heaven or you're going to be in hell. Call out to God and ask him not only to save you if you haven't done that already, but to drive in your heart a passion for the gospel. Let's pray. 
Father, I thank you that you've given us something of first importance. You have given us something that makes us like-minded with people in Yakuts. We don't even know Yakuts. But we see people who put up Bible verses and their children put up Bible verses. And they talk to neighbors and they witness the neighbors with the very same verses that we do. And it is so encouraging to us. How I pray that today our church can look and say we have that foundation. But personally we have this foundation. That the good news of Jesus Christ has transformed our lives and that we're born again. Oh God, we didn't even talk about the last line and I... I left it out, that, uh, repentance, that we have t- turned from false gods, false idols, false practices, and we've turned from sin to place our trust in you. I pray that people here who aren't believers will hate sin, will recognize that sin brings about the destruction of their lives, that the affections of their heart have turned from loving sin to loving you. Because that will be the transformation that is indicative of someone that is truly born again. Oh God, we don't just add Christ to our life. He becomes our life. And whether we go into ministry or whether we become missionaries or whatever we do, we are people who now recognize we have everything. But woe to the person who plays the game, who lives in sin and lives for their sin and plays as if they can have feet on both sides of the fence trying to be religious, but at the same time indulging in all kinds of sin. Please, God, wake that person up today and get them to understand that you don't play games and judgment can come at any moment and at any time. But for us who are believers and who have trusted, my passion, God, for our congregation is that we would reap a harvest, that we would see a commitment that comes individually. Nothing that always has to be organized, but Lord, make it be that our people have a passion to share because they personally believe. And it's not because Pastor Mike has organized door-to-door or we've organized an outreach. It's because we personally have been touched with the joy of the gospel and we've been released from sin Because we know that sin is an evil taskmaster, an evil slave master that wants to destroy and offers enticement, but in actuality is offering a poison and imprisonment. If I can bring, so Lord, please help us to be people who are passionate about the gospel. It is of first importance. In Jesus' name, amen.